Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Hello, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 23, where we are we, we becoming big boys and girls, aren't we now, B? Welcome to you. How are you? How's your NXS week? You've been on the road this week. You're on tour. Is that right? <laughs> I'm on tour. I went down south. Down south. Not to, not to Victoria. <laughs> Down to sunny Sydney. It wasn't sunny when I got here, but it was beautiful all the way down. Yeah. Sun was blazing. And what did I hear while I was actually Can in Can you a- share an anecdote? You had a very interesting story on the way down. Yeah. Cruising down the highway. Share with the listeners. Cruising down the highway and then I hit the holiday traffic and it was bumper to bumper. Yeah. And uh, the kids went, mom, 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 because I had the kids in the back of the car. And uh, this ute. <laughs> a typical you, a guy with the uh, with the cowboy hat on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he was chewing gum. It wasn't and Andrew, he was, was it? <laughs> he was blasting original sin, and he was like, "Yeah." And he'd seen the the, the bumper stickers on the back of the car. <laughs> it was really, really good. Made my day. Made my trip a bit easier, anyway. Fantastic. But you've got a story similar, haven't oh, you? Look, look, the other the other week I was driving along here in Melbourne and uh, there was a car next to me, slightly in front, who was blaring original sin out similarly. And um, I didn't know if it was just a radio song at the time and he was just sort of, you know, playing it or whatever. But I turned on the radio and it wasn't on all the major sort of uh, FM channels. So it must have been a CD or something like that. So I ended up driving in front of him and... Slightly arrogantly, I do have number plates on my car that say in excess one that were given Good. to me in a past life <laughs> by a past femme fatale uh, as a Christmas present many years ago. Um, anyway, I drove in front of him so I could highlight my in excess one number plates and I had my fist out the uh, the window <laughs> and he could see me. Then he put his fist out the window and was singing along and we were having a bit of a original sin mutual admiration society. So uh, it's always good to keep spreading the word around B. Yeah, it is. Well, when I meet up with my girlfriend, Karen Peters, she's got the black Swift and I've got the white Swift and we both got our NXS plates on as well. So it's quite fun when we're <laughs> zipping around together. Now, we, uh, I guess there's a bit of a theme this week and uh, it's going to be sort of throughout the podcast, but, you know, fast cars and rock stars and cruising mm. the highway and mm. music, etc. there. So we, we have a, 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 a rare guest that's coming on a little bit later, so we're looking forward to, to chatting to him. I guess what we like to do is always welcome our very valuable patrons uh, to the podcast, of which obviously uh, B is always very, very good at. to welcome Pedro, Lisa, Foxy, aka Jody, Felicia, Sarah, Larry, Carmen, Sudi, Matt, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Anne-Marie, Danielle, Lisa, Ali, Lisa, McIntosh, Lisa Urban, um, Kate, Katie, Carrie-Anne, Virginia, Jim and Susan. 
Uh, and also uh, thank you to all those who have contributed but want to remain silent, uh, which is their choice, and we respect that. But, um, again, equally and respectfully, just as uh, valuable uh, as the ones we name. Also, too, you know, we've done a little bit of budget analysis, and, you know, one of the things we'd love to be able to do, I guess, for the, for the month of uh, October uh, is hopefully find ourselves in a situation where we could find another 10 people uh, to become patrons. Uh, we're really ramping up uh, your patron packs um, and all the goodies that are going out to people and we're really setting up for some competitions with B's trip to Sydney uh, designed around a lot of that. So uh, again, as we reiterate, you know, podcasts don't come sort of cheap to put together in terms of the equipment and uh, a lot of the uh, uh, subscription packages we need to put things together and the sound quality and the merchandise and the time and effort that sometimes goes with missing work to actually put this together. So we, we, we definitely valuably appreciate those who are contributing, but we would love to find another 10, you know, patrons over the next four or five weeks who, who, you know, that if you think that this uh, podcast, you know, might be equate to a cup of coffee or cinnamon cake per week or whatever it attempts you, maybe give that up and put a couple of bucks into our podcast. If you feel it's something you want to be part of our journey, because uh, we will get this band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you will meet this band one day and you will be part, I guess, of a, of a, a movement that uh, that's going to basically be, you know, part of an overall uh, campaign to get them in the Hall of Fame. So your dollars, as, as few as they may be in contributing, will actually add up and going a long way. Uh, yeah. Lee, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, just the, the first competition is going to be happening this week. So if you're a patron, if you get on board, then you can become um, part of the competition as well. So yeah. it's worth getting in, involved now. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, last week we uh, did our episode, I guess, around Australian Made, but we did have a little bit of a, uh, I guess, theme about uh, all things from Australia. And I, I know at the end of the, the podcast last week, I did mention, you know, well, even throughout the podcast, you know, check out some of these Australian artists and things. So before we tie off today, I'm going to reiterate and probably share with the listeners maybe each week just a little bit of homework. So mm. it might be, here's an Australian band that in excess influenced Here's some extra songs that, you know, I think you would love. You know, if you love In Excess, you'll love these bands and love these songs. So uh, there will be a little bit of positive homework, you know, a couple of little tracks uh, in Gulf and listen to and hopefully, uh, as I said, appreciate what comes out from, uh, from Down Under. Great. I can't wait to hear about those. That was new to me. Yeah, a little. I like to sneak something in just outside your wheelhouse, B, that you haven't seen. I like to throw Thank a little you. curveball in to keep you honest. All right. What's the time for now? News. Hi, it's Carmen here from Wollongong, Australia. You're listening to the world's best in excess podcast, in excess access all areas, and now it's time for the news. All right, news of the week. Uh, well, we've got something to celebrate. It's taken about three years, but In Excess's Greatest Hits album has finally gone from Platinum 6 to Platinum 7. So I know, I know when I sent uh, the little chart update last week, B, mm. um, uh, it did actually have this little sort of subtle tick over to that seven times platinum. So yeah. uh, at the same exciting. time as us turning seven, seven downloads, 7,000 downloads, it was <laughs> like a, whoa. Well, they say, <laughs> yeah. They say it's the luckiest number, but um, yeah, in, in sort of sales terms in Australia, uh, 70,000 um, album sales equates to a platinum status. Uh, I think 35,000 equates to gold. 
So seven platinums in Australia would be 490,000 uh, albums sold. So just nearly just short of that half a million mark. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a, it's a really significant milestone because as I've said, when the album was released, it sort of went top 20 and, you know, it sort of fell out of the charts and it really didn't do a lot because a lot of compilations have been out there and maybe people are like, well, I've got all the albums. But when the miniseries came out, that album had a real bump and, uh, boy, has that bump sort of been significant because it's sort yeah. of been in the charts for nearly six yeah. years since the miniseries. Um, yeah. And it's now up to 308 weeks. Now, last week it dipped a fraction from 23 to 24, but uh, mm-hmm. still a significant achievement to be in the, in the charts in Australia yeah. for that long. Mm-hmm. Brilliant achievement, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, too, in America, uh, the... Do <laughs> Tonight Part 2 lift uh, stolen plagiarism royalties to the band song uh, has stayed steady. It's gone from 25 to 25. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Maybe it has another life in it, but uh, that's sort of uh, uh, the latest uh, updates from there. Also, too, uh, I'm going to call him Andrew Everywhere Farris. All right? I'm going to call him Andy Everywhere. Now... Um, if I had to sort of make a personality judgment of all six band members, okay, having seen them live, having followed them over their career, okay, if, you ha- if I had to run a mark on, on who would be the least likely to be a Facebook, get out there, let the world know what I'm doing every sort of, you know, day or two, Andrew would have been last on my list. Well, that the, then shows you what a good woman can do for a man. Well, hey? he's the quiet little guy up on the <laughs> up on the keyboards, hiding away, the little musical genius. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, Andrew the other day celebrated his uh, wedding anniversary, and I think yeah. he was at a restaurant and had his cowboy hat on, and he was there, and then suddenly his EP <laughs> or songs were playing in the restaurant, and he was lip syncing to them. <laughs> he's so cute. I think I called him Millie. I think I I responded called Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Um, didn't, didn't get a, a response. I might not have gone there too well, but uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, but Andrew, I'm going to call him Andrew Everywhere Ferris. Andrew has uh, been on another podcast this week. Now mm-hmm. I will get to uh, our potential interview with Andrew one day uh, or one moment. Um, Andrew has also, I guess, uh, done another couple of articles, etc. There, which I guess if you plug his name in, um, he's out there promoting his EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangely enough. Pedro in Portugal has got the Andrew album. I know, and a, and a picture disc. I yeah. want, I want. So it's a quirk beautiful. of distribution or whatever there, Pedro actually somehow had ordered a, a copy of the album and somehow it was a promo, I think, a copy got sent to him. So, um, and I think, man. I think Marlena uh, was quite, well, Pedro, good on you, you know. <laughs> you got the album, good luck, son. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's not even been released yet, Will, but Pedro's got a copy. Uh, we are all dealing with the EP and getting that at the moment. So, But, yeah, Andrew is pretty everywhere on sort of everywhere from Twitter and Facebook and, and media and podcasts. And one of the things that probably deliberately, you know, B and I have done is that we haven't really reached out the band, to the band yet to sort of do interviews. We wanted to sort of get a movement, get a, a sort of a, a base of listeners and a base of momentum before we reached out. But mm. uh, it is something that I think over the next sort of couple of weeks, you know, myself and B are going to do is sort of reach out and see if we can suddenly, mm. you know, get some interviews involved with each band member. Mm. Um, we know the deep dives into each band member has been something that listeners have probably responded to yeah. with some of our highest uh, downloads. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and we sort of, I guess in a way, wanted to sort of pay homage to each of those sort of individual, you know, band um, deep dives before we then got those band members on. Uh, that way we could consolidate the information, fill in the gaps and things. So, yeah. um, And we're only halfway through, aren't we? Uh, halfway through our podcast series? Or half- no, halfway through <laughs> the band. <laughs> silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, but we've got 3,977 episodes to go. Oh, my God. It's scary. Carry it up and up. Well, yes, we've done three uh, deep dives. I think our next one will be Gary, and we've sort of saved Andrew and Michael for last, and we're probably going to do a, a double, triple, quadruple deep dive. It'll probably be an ongoing deep dive for them, because given the prolificness of their their mm. contributions. Well, I've already got through one pair of headphones for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, and look, in a little bit sort of sad news, I know uh, we mentioned the other week that Dean Jones, one of our most famous cricketers, passed away, unfortunately, from a heart attack. And I, I, I shared the anecdote about his involvement with In Excess and helping them get back together for the uh, Stadium Australia opening in 1999. Uh, Dean was farewelled in a private memorial sort of service with, with his family and close friends at a venue called the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, one of the biggest stadia or stadiums in the world. Um, uh, and being a big sort of Elton John fan and friends and, 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 and in excess sort of alumni, both Elton and in excess playing uh, as uh, Hearst was driving around the MCG and then going out of the venue. So I guess it was a sort of a touching moment. And I'm not sure if it's, downloadable but it is sort of something that probably uh, I wanted to share as a bit of an epitaph to what I mentioned the other week Uh, and also unfortunately last couple of days a little bit of a guitar hero rock god Eddie Van Halen passed away and I I got a a little message just simply saying Eddie Van Halen with a a perplexed look from Ali Um, so what I was like oh god hope he hasn't passed and I Googled his name and then suddenly it was like tributes, Over tributes, there. tributes. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Van Halen fan um, and, and, and I wouldn't say that sort of the rock style guitar playing was sort of in my wheelhouse, but um, a little bit like um, uh, croquet and tiddlywinks, you know. Um, there are people who love it and there are people who are into it. And there are people who are expert at it. Um, and what I could see is from watching a lot of Eddie Van Halen stuff growing up and also through the tributes and a lot of the stuff that's going around Facebook is um, definitely what he did. He was one of the best at what he did. So um, 65 years of age, still too young, B. Too young, very. Still too young. Yeah, um, too young. And, um, yeah, you know, valet to uh, another rock god who... Hopefully, he's gone through the pearly gates and Jimi Hendrix is up there welcoming him in and yeah. saying, come on, Eddie, what took you so long? Let's jam. Stop. Huh? <laughs> no, we, we, we like that. And, then there's, and there's John John Lennon there and there's Michael up there and go, let's have a jam session together, all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prince and Bowie. Yeah, all of them. Hey, this is Tim Farris and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Hey. And now for topic of the week. Good to be here. I'm glad you came. You're gonna get off your asses. Oh, that asses. To look at you. For a different kind of girl. 
Well, we have another guest uh, with us today. Now, B is live on set with our special guest at the Narrabeen RSL. Okay, now for those overseas, Narrabeen is uh, an Indigenous word for lots of alcohol after four o'clock. <laughs> um, seriously, <It's> <laughs> um, we look. We we have the real pleasure of being in Australia, where in excess of from encountering people who have uh, direct experience in the formative years and over the years with the band and. I know one of our most successful podcasts recently was having Richard Simpkin on who uh, was able to provide a bit of a deep dive from his experiences with the band around the X album time. B's been able to land a very, very unique special guest. But David Clement was, uh, for B, who's going to basically take over and introduce him in a moment for us, very, very hands-on involved with NXS at the very start of their career. So all of us would love to get in that Marty McFly time machine and go back to 1979 and be there when it all happened. Well, we're going to have somebody who was on the ground and over the last 40 years has got to know the band and the management and, and, and everybody at all levels. So, B, that's my my level of understanding of Clemo, but I'm very excited to learn lots today. I'm going to be like that Uber fan at the front of the road listening uh, as you take things from here. So, B, uh, do you want to welcome uh, Clemo with us on your behalf as well? I would like to. I'd love to. Can you see me beaming from here? I can. You're like a Cheshire cat. I know, I know. know. I'm aching already, although it might be the beer. (laughs) And so, David, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to In Excess Access All Areas. We've spent all morning and you've filled me with loads of great stories. Oh, my God. I've been laughing my head off. Told you yourself. You have. It's been great. It's been great. So, um, I met Clemo here at the Narrabeen RSL probably a year ago, November coming. Yes. And he was sitting at the back of um, the the, the, um, the gig for the Don't Change Boys with Blair. So you know Blair yes. and Mike, the manager, and um, sure we got introduced and uh, found out you've got a book. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and we hit it off quite well. So um, I got in touch with you, and uh, yeah, I'd like you to tell everybody your story because, like, from 1979, you've got an abundance of stories. So tell me how you got to know in excess. Well, but it um, was early 1979. It was way, they were still called the Farris Brothers then, and they'd just come back from tromping around the minefields in Western Australia, and they were working for... Um, uh, the local Toyota dealer and my main business was um, cars and that I had car yards and stuff and um, uh, the local Toyota dealer rang me up he said David he said you like your rock music he said I've got two young kids here washing our new cars and they, they were fought, washing the cars yeah washing all the new, <laughs> new cars you had to do it every day and chamois them off and um, it was basically Kirk um, Michael and um, I think one of the other boys did it too but um the boss rang me up. He said, um, they're looking, they formed a band and they're looking for somewhere to rehearse. He said, can you help me out? I said, oh, yeah, send them down. Mm-hmm. So two or three days later, in walks a very pimply 
faced, awkward-looking Michael Hutchins and Kirk. And I didn't know him from a bar of soap. And this yeah. factory held 30 or 40 cars, yeah. but there was something about them. Oh. I felt I could trust them you and all that because I had to give them the keys at the end of the day's work when my staff and I had gone and I cleared a special area for them and off they went and started doing their thing and um, I charged them $5 a week for electricity <laughs> just as a token amount for yeah. a bit of responsibility. Then I helped them out with... Uh, some cheap cars, disposable cars, as Kirk used to call them. Disposable cars. <laughs> <laughs> Ones that had very little rego because my main job was valuing all these trade-ins and all these cheap ones. Anyway, I looked after them a bit there and um, come the end of that year, um, they owed me about $90 and I hadn't said anything at all, but I had a plan. Christmas was coming up. I said, guys, what are you going to do about this $90? And they said, David, we haven't got it. And I said, well, I, I tell you what. I said, what about you do a Christmas party for me? Yeah. And we'll wipe the debt out. Anyway, um, they uh, they had a band meeting. Oh, they always had band meeting. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy was in charge all the time, you know, and all the rest of it. And uh, they came back to me pretty quick. They said, on one condition. I said, what's that, boys? And they said, we want to invite 40 of our own guests and industry types. And I said, done. Anything else? Anyway, they set up a stage. They put a banner up the front, back, um, at the, behind them, in excess. Did to make all, all the cars out? Oh, yeah, all the cars. <laughs> I, I got rid of those because I was really sort of into them by this time. And um, anyway, uh, we invited another guy financed it with me for, for food and grog, and we anticipated about 250 to 300 people. Yeah. And the, the place... Um, filled up and all the rest of it and uh, next thing uh, the factory's full and they're spilling out onto the street and next thing two police patrol cars come up uh -oh. and of course we're talking 1979 when the world was a different place and the sergeant says who's in charge of all this and all the rest and they went, they found me and I said what's the problem officer sergeant and he said Oh, nothing really, but he said, you've got an almighty crowd here. And I said, how many? He said, oh, I reckon 1,000 or 1,200. And it spilled out into the street and it became folklore around, yeah. still to this day, about the, because they played it. And it's in the official gigography, yep. um, 12th of um, December, yep. 79, David's Christmas party. David's Christmas party. And it's party. the only private gig that's in their official 3,000 gigography. <laughs> and, so, and it's funny going back to, because this is in Brookvale, isn't it, on the yeah, northern beaches, yeah, yeah. and the, 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 the building's still there. It's quite yes. an iconic-looking building, isn't it? It's like a 19... Well, there's a photo of it in the book. There's a photo in the book, mm. yes. But we'll talk about the book later, definitely talk about the book later. Now, I, the, the little bit in the book that I um, took note of was that you used to come in in the morning and you'd find rolled up pieces of paper yes. on the floor. Yes. What was that all about? Um, well, uh, it, it, it was a lot of um, Michael's um, scribblings on bits of paper and the school exercise books there of, of lyrics. And, um, just thrown on the floor. <laughs> just thrown on the floor. Um, and as time went by, you know, they, they just got sort of lost and I, yeah. I just wish I'd have sort of kept some of them or, or managed to, but... God, we didn't know. We didn't that. know. Well, we didn't know that at that stage how far they were going to go. Yeah. You know? So you saw them like evolve. So I got them before Christmas. Well, I, I before didn't, Chris Murphy. Before Chris Murphy, he came along in late 
79 before the party and um, they changed their name because to in excess, do you know how in excess came? Was we coined? do know about the name, but Gary how, Morris, who Gary was the manager Morris, yeah. of Midnight Oil. So, how did you feel about the name change? What personally, like, because oh, you like everybody th- else, we, we we came in, the staff and I, one day, and I remember they put all these posters up on the wall, and it was and it was just before the the, the Christmas thing, and they had posters in it and everybody had inkses. Inkses. Everybody said inkses. <laughs> and once you got your head around it and there's time in excess, so they it just stuck and the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. And it was a great name, really, when you think about it. Yeah. So Everything in excess. You know, I know. Like it's perfect. In excess of alcohol and, and other did. things. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much nowadays, I think. So you went to a few of the pub gigs as well, because a lot of our listeners would love to know about a lot more about that. If you have yeah. any stories, well, around around that period, um, it, it mainly centred on the northern beaches, and there was um, the um, Mal- uh, Miller's Manly Vale Hotel, um, Avalon RSL Club, and um, particularly at um, uh, Narrabeen there too and um, getting back to um, uh, Gary Morris who was um, manager of Midnight Oil at at the time and he'd he'd actually seen Tim Farris putting up posters Mm -hmm. on the wall and he said who are you and he said we're um, we're the Farris brothers and it became in excess and um, he got them to do Oh, to support them. Support. Yeah. Support band. Went on. He, he actually coined the name. Did you hear the story about how he got the name? Yeah. You can tell us again, <laughs> though, if you like. That would be good. Well, he was having breakfast one day and having some toast and, and that night I'd, I'd sort of met him and he, he got a bit weirdo and he became... Um, <laughs> religious? <laughs> he wanted in excess to become a, a Christian band. Yeah. At one stage, and um, he was having toast one day, and he had a he had a jar of IXL jam there. The XTC yeah. album. XTC yeah. were out there. Yeah, you got it. Um, he, he came up with a name um, in excess, and he wanted he wanted them to play in a cage with down lights. And I, I've actually got photos of them with um, painted faces and everything. In a cage. In excess, with painted faces. Oh, I've wow. got them. Wow, we'd like to see those, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Well, He's all, got some all, great photos. All this stuff is coming out, but anyway. Um, that was Tim, what Gary made them do, yeah? Yeah, Gary Morris made, made them yeah. do this. But anyway, Tim Tim thought about it and all the rest of it, and it was too far left of Yeah, where they sense, wanted to go. <laughs> and um, Timmy said, um, look, we, we don't want to do the rest of that. But he said, we love the name, we'll have the name. Yeah, and thank you very much. Took the name, thank you very much. <laughs> he knows what he likes, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had him in the factory there for probably at least 18 months. It could have been close to two years. And they actually um, uh, had written the first album and were sort of doing that. And they, they actually did the first album and then... I think after about two years, they were sort of moving in more into studios and taking studio time. And yeah. You met the band and when you said you met Chris Murphy, what was your first intake on Chris when you first met Chris? 
That's an interesting one. Well, um, Tim pestered him because he was a booking agent. That's right. He didn't want to get into management and all the rest of it, but Tim just kept pestering him all the time and all the time until the point that um, – uh, and Tim said to him, oh, can we come around your place and have a barbecue instead of doing this all formally? And um, he decided to do it. But I th- I'm pretty sure he said right from word go, he said, if I take you on, we're not just going to be an Australian band, we're going to go worldwide. Chris, hey? Well, as a matter of fact, I um, caught up with him only about three or four months ago. Yeah. And he invited me up to his new ranch up at Ballina and uh, showed me all the things he's doing there and uh, awesome. the uh, X building for NXF. I know how he works and from um, band to brand, I had my first lessons in 1981 and 82 and I was only one of two people ever allowed to do because we had the race team after all this and in excess poured a lot of money into that because I used to do a lot of motor racing including Bathurst 18 times and all this stuff Mm. I managed to convince him that um, there's a lot of people out there especially in the 80s this is the kick era and everything Mm. and uh, he saw me putting in excess out to a new whole new group of people, all the motor racing people so he they tipped in more money and the thing was and when, when they they were number one in the world. Everybody wanted a piece of them, including blokes like Bob Jane, who mm. I drove some of his race cars. Um, I got free race cars. Uh, I had a three-car Suzuki GDI team in the production car championship. And TK, Neville Crichton, heard of him? I have, yeah. He won the Sydney Hobart yacht race and yep. all the rest of it. Yep. Well, he, he just loved it. And I got Channel 7 on board and, and, and they actually loved us. I mean, some of the photos of the NXS kit cars, I had track days for the band. We used to, And I got free cars, like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cars. And Michael Hutchins and Andrew Farris, who bought my Porsche Carrera, they were the best on some of the days and that, but everybody wanted a piece of them. And I got all these, like, half a million dollars worth of cars and it was a wet day and I was really worried about it. They might mm-hmm. at Amaru Park Race yeah, yeah, Raceway. Amaru, yeah. And um, You're worried about Michael's driving skills, were you? Michael, Michael was very really good. Really good. Michael was very good. And I helped him buy a lot of his expensive cars and that's all another story. We'll talk about that later. Like, <laughs> and, and, not, and not bad for a guy who never got his licence, is that right? Yeah. I don't know, get a license, don't know about that. Um, I, I couldn't comment on that, but um, in the mini series, there's a bit of a joke when he drives from Melbourne to Sydney with Michelle oh, that yeah. he doesn't actually have a license. Well, we well, I let's can talk you, about the Citroen. I can tell you a good story about the Citroen. Let's talk about the Citroen. Have, have you heard about the Citroen? Oh, I don't know anything, Dave, uh, David. I'm an open book, so far away. <laughs> and so are our fans. Well, well M- M- Michael had. Um, Citroen. A Citroen. This, this is before he got into bikes and they had money and everything. And he had this Citroen and him and Michelle, um, I can't remember a second name. Michelle Bennett. Michelle Bennett. She was a lovely person. She was a and it's salt of the earth and she kept him on the track even in the hard times. But anyway, uh, they, they came out from Melbourne and all his clothes, it was a five-door hatchback 
I can remember it quite well, and it had all his worldly goods in there. He, and, he, and I called him a gypsy of the world, which mm. he was in the end, even when he was worth a lot of money and could have mm. whatever he wanted. And he said to me one day, and it, it would have been when they first went to do the college circuit in America uh, around the Shabu Shabar time, mm. and he said, can you mind this, the Citroen for me? I said, yeah, mate, no worries. Anyway, all his worldly goods were there. And, and somehow after about a year, because then it just blossomed and they were doing a whole lot of things. Didn't in the, need anything. It was in the Citroen. No, that the didn't time. matter. <laughs> but I, I often wonder where all those things went to. No. And I tried to, when I was doing my book, I was trying to research anything and uh, everything to find out. And the only thing I, I found out in print and, of course, Richard Lowenstein knew him pretty well and um, all those people were around the fringe in these yeah. early days. And they actually – I've read it in print somewhere off the internet that it was found dumped on the side of um, Wake, Wakehurst Parkway, which oh, is – just around the corner. We know where that is. Yeah. Just the Citron was dumped. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. what – from, from my point of view, I believe that somebody came and picked it up mm. and I checked with Michael. I said, is it okay for this? Because this is like after 18 months or two years and, of course, in that two years, they've just gone from the first album to Shabu Shabar, which yeah. I think was yeah. great. the that's, third that's album. That's your favourite album, isn't oh, it? Oh, I think it was a cracker because it had Don't, Don't Change, Don't Change. and um, yeah. To Look At You, which was a It's your favourite. Well, yeah. it was a cracker song, you know, but <laughs> It never went anywhere yeah. or as good as the others. But, um, yeah, the Citroen was just, I don't know, disappeared in the scene All these belongings that he had. But while we're on cars, I had, when, when he found fame and fortune and even some of the other guys, I was the go-to guy because I knew a lot about cars with my motor racing background and um, he wanted to buy this valuable um, sit, um, Aston, Martin. Aston Martin DB4 Zagato which is an aluminium-bodied one, and it was in California. And uh, he said, uh, what do you think it's worth? And, and, and he, him and John were tax exiles in um, Hong, Kong. Hong Kong. Anyway, uh, I, I, I knew how to check provenance of all these cars, so I said, look, I said, oh, I, I got in touch with Aston Martin because I had all the numbers off it because it was in California. And um, anyway, cut a long story short, he, um, he said, what do you think it's worth? And I said, Michael, I reckon, and this is about 91, I said, I reckon it's worth about 250 US. And he said, well, that's what they want for it. And I said, well, I'd buy it. Anyway, he bought it. It never came into Australia. By this time, he was doing his thing. He had his flat in um, Chelsea and was doing... And the villa. Uh, and the villa in, in um, the back of in Spain, just out of Monaco, about an hour. Yeah, in France. And... Um, and he used to do. He, he used to squire the ladies because he was. He had. Um, he had Earl McPherson with him one time, and um, Helena Christensen, and lovely people. And um, so, did you meet all the girls? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Kylie. <laughs> Kylie was one of my favourites. Kylie, yeah. yeah, makes you blush a bit, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it all disappeared in his um, estate. Um, you know, in 97, well, 97, he passed away, same year as Princess Di, I think. Yeah. And then he... Um, you he, never found the Austin Martin. Well, we do know where it is. Sorry? The, the Aston Martin, we do know where it is. They were very close to you too, and Michael and Bono were, like, real close, being, mm. you know, massive superstars and that. Yeah. 
and he um, he'd throw all these parties, and, and it was a small acreage, and it was like a the beautiful French farmhouse, and it's up there looking down over the Mediterranean, about an hour in half an hour into France or whatever, and. Um, as it, as it turned out with the turmoil with Michael's estate and everything, he, um, um, it, it got sold. To Adam. To, well, well, I'm not sure whether it was Adam Clayton or what was he, the bass player or the drummer? I think, I think Adam bought the, uh, got the property. I know that. Uh, the Mike- well, he got the property in the car. The, the car was part of it. The Aston Martin was part of it and it okay. was... It was in the in the farmhouse, you know, the old French barn, okay. made of stone and everything. Yeah. Anyway, um, he um, the information that I, I found out was that um, he paid about eleven million euros, and I think it worked out of the Aston Martin was about five, the equivalent of about five million Australian. And I, I know uh, another one that um, an Australian bloke had that I knew through racing car days, a very wealthy man, and he had exactly the same car and it sold um, probably only three years ago for $19 million. Wow. And these cars, the $19 million one had a lot of um, racing providence like yeah. Sterling Moss and Jim Clark had driven yeah. it, whereas Michael's was – they only built 25 each year for long-distance races like in Le Mans and, yeah. and all around Europe. Michael's didn't have any racing providence, but then again, it probably hadn't been bashed around or yeah. had a prang or anything. It, it would still have been garaged quite a bit. But anyway so – What year was his car? Did you know? Um, it was, a, it was either a uh, 63 or a 64 <gasps> model. You, oh, know, you know the James Bond car yeah, in um, Goldfinger? Well, it's, it's a model before then. Zagato means lightweight or something. And Mr. Zagato was this Italian bodybuilder and he built 25 of them yeah. each year for a period. And, and it, it was a bit like the... Um, the uh, Sean Connery one in Goldfinger, that was um, uh, that was a, a different shape, a later shape. Um, yeah. But, I think yeah. we've got some photos of that. We'll have to get the, them out. Have you got some photos of that car? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Oh, yeah. we'll have to get some photos of that car. Well, I used to mine some of his bikes at my house. Mine. You look after his bikes for him. Yeah, and <laughs> him and Gary Beers, and they, I had about three or four of them. And um, I was a member of the Royal Motor Yacht Club down here, and um, Michael said, can you look after this bike? So I said, no, I had a pretty nice house with a big garage. I said, yeah, in there. And I, I went down to the Royal Motor Yacht Club, and Michael had given me instructions to sell this bike. And he said, um, and the guys in the back bar, there was these Danish blokes, I remember they they were old blokes, but they were playboys and all the rest of it. And they went, oh, Michael Hutchins' bike. Anyway, <laughs> I think it was the day I told them about it. And it was, I don't know, eighteen or $20,000. And I had instructions from Michael to sell it. And um, because Kylie Minogue had been on the back of it mm. and Helena Christensen and all. Oh, yeah, they'd all want that, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 all the rest of them. And um, 
the funny thing was these guys went out and bought all the new leathers and everything within a couple of days and less than a week later I was in the back bar having a chat and they come in and one had a bit of gravel off him and oh, all the rest no. of it. A dog had chased him down the road and he didn't know how to handle the bike <laughs> and he put it on the ground. But it wasn't a, wasn't a write-off. Really. It wasn't a write-off. Okay, no, no, that's never. quite funny. As soon as you scratch a new expensive bike like that. I mean, some of the cars, like Kirk Pengelly, um, the, uh, that Chevrolet I was showing you, yeah, the, the 427 was a pace car for um, the Daytona 500 and it belonged to one of the heavy um, record company dudes. And uh, Tim, uh, sorry, Kirk gave it to me for a bit. I had it for nearly two years in the factory and, and it was a beautiful car, 428 cubic inches. Yeah. Oh, David, you love your cars, hey? Yeah. I bought Chris a nice um, Mercedes-Benz. Doug, I was a go-to guy. You were the go-to in the class. And, and to be fair to Cole Crawford down here, Stephen Crawford sold me uh, like a Jaguar that I bought for Chris Murphy. He had 110 or 12,000 on it, and I told him who it was, and he said, Clemo, you can have it for 100 grand. Wow. And I could have easily copped. 10 grand, but I, just I didn't want to do it. I didn't do it. I didn't so you really that. looked after one another by the sounds yeah. of it. Well, it they sounds looked like after that me. They, that, not that you needed each other, but you just looked after each other and you both grew together, really, sounds like. You became your racing car driver more so and they yeah. sponsored you and then you, oh, yeah, and you it, looked it was, after them and they, they, you saw them blossom too. Yeah. So It was a payback, you know. It was yeah, sort of, yeah. Actually, that thing I told you about the um, – the, 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 the program, the world program. The Calling All Nations. Calling All Nations. And there was um, 10 million copies of that. Kirk or one of them said, oh, we got a surprise for you, David. And um, it, it was just sitting there. It was all a frame thing. I, yeah. I had it in the car, but I wasn't going to pull it out today. And there was 10 million copies of it. And there's a photo of the NXS race car at Emmeroo. And I don't know where the lyric came from, but it was Michael Pender. He said, well, you spent your whole day with your axe to the wheel. And, and, and the boys have done another. There's a really big piece I've got, and every one of us have signed it, and it's a really big one. It's all framed. You it here? Yeah, because Shirley and I were going through a bit of a hard time. You mentioned me travelling around the world and all the rest of it. And, following uh, the rock stars. Following the rock stars. <laughs> oh, I want to be. And uh, uh, Michael wrote the middle and said, Clemo, you're a gemma. Ah, well, you are. And, and, all, and all the boys wrote nice personal messages. Cause now, that's that big uh, tour booklet, isn't it, that sort of – Sort of, I guess for listeners can't see me gesturing, but it's that quite long one, isn't it? Booklet, yeah. tour booklet we're talking about? Yeah, it, it yeah. was called Calling All Nations. Yeah. I got given a copy for my birthday, uh, a milestone birthday about 10 years ago, so I know exactly the one you're talking about. three or four quick ones at Clemo, if that's okay, B. Yeah. Um, now, I understand travelling to Perth, the 1987 Australian made tour, there's something about your involvement with that. Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, that was when the um, 
America's Cup was on, and they the the final gig was in Subiaco Oval. Yep. There and um, they actually chartered a um a seven six seven Boeing for all the bands. Yeah. I got to go on that gig. So I had images thinking traveling to Perth for the gig. I'm thinking surely Kirk didn't make you drive across the Nullarbor <laughs> Plain in the and, and eat food, <laughs> listening to the kangaroos and dingoes in the outback. <laughs> Remember, this is '87 now. Well, we we last week did the Australian Made tour episode, so we did talk a lot about that. Did you go to that gig in Perth? Oh my god! That's where they first played Mystify, I think, live on that tour. Okay, well, we're having a bit of an after party in the, in the hotel because all the bands were staying in the same hotel, and um, there was a few after parties going upstairs, and. Um, uh, John Farris says to me, he said, David, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. He said, uh, James Barnes. And there's um, Chris. Jimmy Mann. Barnes, James Barnes, huh? That's how we introduced him, James <laughs> Barnes. You know? Thank you, Jonathan. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but the, 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 the interesting thing was the story um, on the plane, but coming back, um, there was like the vinyls on there and there was, Models? Mental as, Mental as anything. Yeah. And they were sitting right in front of me and Andrew and I've got Glenn A. Baker, rock brain of the universe, and yeah. he's doing three things at once. He's reading, he's listening to it, and he was doing something else. <laughs> and we've, we've taken off to come back to Sydney and, um, and we're probably about half an hour out. Well, Martin Plaza and the bloke in, and one of the other members light up this big hash joint. Keeping in mind, it was a it was a Qantas plane, but it was a private charter, and there was two um, film crews on board, MTV film crews, and um, they had um, um, oh, the guy in the divinals, um, Mark McEntee. He, he was a guitarist, and the other guy who was uh, Rick Grossman. Oh, James Freud from the models. Yeah, models. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, they're all. Uh, they, they had him up in the cabin and all the rest of it, and uh, everybody's got in it. And of course, the dolly trolleys. All they wanted to do was have their photo taken with their favourite star. And in those days, you had all the miniature bottles of scotch and yeah. everything, and they're just having their photos taken, and everybody's helping themselves, and because <laughs> there was plenty of room on the plane. Anyway, this guy gets on the phone. He says, "You guys are breaking federal aviation laws, <laughs> and you're all going to be arrested when you get there." And everybody goes, "Boo!" Here's <laughs> they didn't Whatever. make a, they didn't make a mess or anything, so the party just continued, and we we're about oh, probably about an, an hour out of Sydney, and the blokes got on the, the bloke in charge of security for all the bands. He said, "Now you guys, you've had enough fun, do it." And everybody cleaned the plane up, set bolt up right. We all pulled in <laughs> and got off the plane. You know, it was just a big party. In the How end. Australian! Now, did that then lead then? Because obviously. Oh, it might have been fractionally just before then, you were in the studio with James Barnes and in excess for the recording of Good Times, which was Good our time. exit song last week. Tell us a bit about that. I had um, I got a lot of invitations to go into the studios, like Rhino Studios, yeah. which in excess owned half of them. And, um, this wasn't in Rhino, but I got an invite to go the night they actually shot the film clip. And if you've ever seen it, they're all running... Held yes. a skirt to through the alleyways and all the rest of it. Well, I was there watching all that happen. Um, and uh, are you actually in the video? Um, oh, you probably you'll have to look out for it. Probably see me <laughs> sitting over there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but um, I mean, 
that good time. That oh, it's great. a great fucking song, and, isn't and, it? And Glenn A. Baker really pushed that one yeah. too to um, have it done because, you know, there's a lot of um, competition between um, Cold Chisel and, and NXS there for a while. And, yep. And, um, but they supported him quite well, though, mm. didn't they? So, um, so, so is there any shenanigans you can tell us about what was going on? Shenanigans? I'm going to say Sinead O'Connor, shenanigans. Well, yeah. it probably it probably lends itself to the fact that you also then went to one of the first concerts in LA at the Forum, is that right, in the after party there in 88, which would have been around about the kick tour? Well, in 1988, there was three separate kick tours. Yep. And, and world tours. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure I went on the second one because I, f- I flew in and around. It was June. I'm pretty sure it was the, the second one anyway. Yep. I did two concerts at the uh, LA Forum and uh, I'm backstage there, me and my mate, because th- they took my friend, so I had a playmate when they were working. And they, they paid for it. We had our own suites and all, all the rest of it anyway. Um we're out the back there and Timmy Farris says, and he said, Dave, he said, come and have a look. This is before the show. And uh, he said, look at this. It's full of history because the LA Lakers played there yeah. and, and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones yeah. and all the people. And this, all the Beatles' names carved into wooden doors yeah. and all the rest of it. Uh, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway. For a Beatles fan. Yeah, because I, I saw the Beatles in 64 and that's what Indeed. got me going, you know. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're in the back back room then because you've got to remember in excess were number one at this stage and two other singles in the top 10 and, and the and, and the record company are trying to outdo each other you know and they had not magnums they had jerring bones wow. and and the, the best stuff in them they're, they're getting ready to go on stage and i always remember and, and the crowd it gives me goosebumps now thinking about it and you can hear twenty thousand plus mad americans <laughs> wanting to see their heroes and actually i i walked out the front and that's where i met richard um richard wilkman because he that that, that was the first gig um mtv had started Uh and he was over there reporting and as soon as i told him my story he said hey race car driver you know he's gonna do this (laughs) and anyway we never never did that part but kirk pengelly says to me he said david he says um you and andrew he said get into all this stuff because he said I said, oh, I can't take the, the problem. He, he said, well, if you don't, somebody else is going to. Anyway, we couldn't knock the whole thing off. <laughs> no. And we walked behind them and watched them go on stage. And, and it's, it's just, it just gives me shivers now to think about it. The sound of it all, and we didn't know what to do and where to go because yeah. we're not used to being on the side of the stage. Yeah. And Chris Murphy sidled up to us and said, you guys follow me out here. And he took us up to the, the, the box, the mixing box in the middle, which, oh. we, which had all the good booze and seats <laughs> and all the rest of it. Uh, you were well looked after, oh, hey? Yeah. You were like their royalty. <laughs> oh, they looked after us. You were like family, really, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Oh, the master party. Mm. The after party of the first show. So we're getting the six stretch white limos and we go up in the Hollywood Hills and you got to remember they're number one got all these things so we go in and, and it's like the Hollywood Hill this mansion it's unbelievable and I can hear music and it's about 1am in the morning or something because they'd had an after party down at the for, uh, LA Forum anyway we go go in there and um, I can hear this music and all that we go in there and there's a big party at the back and wow. a band playing wow. 
There's Billy Idol. No. And Elton John's there. No. <laughs> they true story. As Australians do, we, we um, gravitate to the kitchen. This mansion had a big pit, big kitchen. And I'm talking this lovely, pretty girl. And it was Justine Bateman who played Michael J. Fox's sister in Family Ties. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Celebrities everywhere. Yeah. My schoolboy crush there, uh, Dave, uh, Justine Bateman, yeah. Mallory. Oh, <laughs> you well, should be jealous. Well, her, her boyfriend was there skateboarding, um, like. Um, yeah, I don't care about him, really. You don't care about him. <laughs> I know who you mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think of his. Really handsome. Because <laughs> Timmy, um, he, he was a skateboarding singer. The, the, this other bloke yeah. and Timmy Farris got into the skateboard sure. and, and you know on, on a couple of concerts that they got it down a patch where they, they'd shoot the skateboard <laughs> and he'd jump onto it and keep his balance and still be playing lead guitar they were massive stages these yeah, ones yeah 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 I'd like to see him try and do that now. Oh, now, now my, understand, my understanding from listening to a lot of this, Dave, is after parties are really right in your wheelhouse, okay? I've got a, a, an understanding from B that you might have met a Robert Plant at an after party. Was that Vegas or somewhere else, was it? Um, oh, tell us about this, yes. Robert Plant, uh, okay. Well, I've been on the road for these few weeks and we're in the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. In um, Nirvana. And I couldn't sleep because I was so excited and I was in the neck and, and, and the guys could see it. And they said, look, you and Andrew stay here. We paid for your suites and we'll organise a plane to get you over to this. Because you know, you've had about- too many to drink, so you yeah, have to have had, an extra day had, had to recover. Right. So I'm swimming in the swimming pool the next day and I bump into this bloke and um, he goes down. He's a little nuggety, pommy, old pommy bloke. And, uh, and I said, oh, sorry, mate. And uh, comes up with his Cockney accent and I said... Uh, he said, where are you from? I said, oh, Australia. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I've made some minor playing in a band. They've just gone through town. He said, who's that? I said, oh, in the excess. And uh, he said, oh, my God. He said, we saw them the other night. He said, they're pretty hot. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm the manager of the next act that's going through. And I said, who's that? He said, Robert Plant. He said, do you want to meet him? I said, oh, yeah. So we go over and there he is. He's got the handmaidens. He's, he's slaying on a lounge. <laughs> he's got the, 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 the like these curtain things hanging around. He's being fed grapes, isn't he? <laughs> and, and he wasn't sort of standoffish or anything, but I had a little chat, but I could see he was busy talking business with, with people. Anyway, I was talking to the manager and all the rest of it. And um, anyway, I'd, I'd been there for... 15 or 20 minutes, so I said, oh, well, I'll see you later. And anyway, I started walking and Robert Plant said, oh, David, we said, would you like to come to my concert? I said, that'd be nice. So he gave me use, because a lot of blokes thought used to think I was one of the managers and all the rest of them. You could be whoever you want to be. <laughs> I, I didn't tell any lies. So, you know. <laughs> anyway, they, he gave me the use of their limos for two, two or three days and um, we went to uh, see his concert. There were, now and Zen was the yep. song. Yeah. Anyway, he, he had an after party and then he hired this the, the best seafood restaurant he ever seen for 40 people. And he said, you're included, David. But I took – the limo driver was next Vietnam vet and I nearly went to Vietnam. And, and over this 48 hours, I said – You got to know him quite well. I got to know him quite well. And I said, mate, why don't you lock up the limo and come in? So I took the limo driver in the – in, he didn't get to go to the restaurant, but we had an after party at the 
at the concert hall there and um that was that story and it's nice that you included well it's, in, it's interesting around this era because uh if if i can just mention this in excess during this particular sort of album had Guns N' Roses support them at particular times. Obviously, Robert Plant was becoming more prolific with his solo stuff. Um, he'd been obviously in Led Zeppelin. He'd been in the Honey Drippers. He'd then gone and put some solo stuff out. Even Santana, there's, you know, around the X Factor tour, I think uh, uh, Kirk thought he was just a sort of a, a roadie on stage, <laughs> you know, setting some things up. He realised it was Carlos Santana. and um, But, yeah, I mean, just being that juggernaut band at the time, it was a big thing to be a support act on some of those particular bills, I guess, you know. Getting back to Guns N' Roses there, um, the tour bus uh, that we, we had for a while, and I got invited on the tour bus. They weren't, this was after Las Vegas or something. They said, jump on the bus, you're with us and all the rest of it. All right. Well, look, we really thank uh, Clemo for getting on today. Um, we know there's going to be probably further podcasts with Clemo because we've only touched the surface and skimmed the surface. Um, we will corrupt his memory even furtherly to, to dive deep into some areas we'd love to go and all the listeners would love to go. Yeah. But I, I can imagine how most of our fans engages out there are probably going to have a ton of questions Absolutely. in the next seven days that we want to shoot at Clemo. That's yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to have lots of questions from all our listeners. Yeah. And uh, we've got some Uber fans out there that want to know more about the pub days and the beginning and everything. But thank you so much for your time today. It's been, it's been I've been with him all day. It's been wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> Don't say that. No, because no, your wife might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> This is Lori from Chicago, and now it's time for Pleasure and Pain. And here we are again, Pleasure and Pain, my favorite. So 1988, a little 21-year-old B. I think I, I actually, for my birthday, I wanted a pair of leather trousers. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They have my white stilettos. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, I know, I know. And big hair. I had yep. big hair like um oh what's her name? Um Kim Wilde. So yeah, I was very much into um well no, it'd be like the Duran Duran, it was the girl mullet, wasn't it? <laughs> With yeah. all the oh my goodness, what we did back then for fashion. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, I hope you can all enjoy these songs. Well, we'll go play and we'll come back. Yeah, okay. Then I look at you. And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day
Your first one there is Bill Withers, yeah? Yeah, I had that. That I, I used to buy most of my songs on 12-inch discs. I didn't usually go for the 45s. Yep. And that was just beautiful. Just really started my mornings playing that before I went to college or wherever. Because that, that song's been like on an ad in Australia the last couple of years. And I, and I sort mm. of did a deep dive finding who it was. And I was like, oh, wow. Is that yeah. Bill Withers? Because he did like Lean On Me and Ain't No Sunshine. Like he had like five yeah. or six really big hits and Beautiful. unfortunately he passed away all this year but what a great voice yeah 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 so yeah i i, I don't get um i don't get bored of that song it's beautiful no. and then transvision bam i'm <laughs> also I, I think i just wanted to be her again well <laughs> i could see a bit a of uh, wendy james in you the vamp oh huh? i loved her i loved yeah. her so yeah she yeah. was uh, she was good and um, the pasadenas yeah i really like that type of music i like the big bandy music back then i, I, didn't I was, know that I was one. a bit of a split personality yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then everything but the girl oh i love that they those two do you know much about them i do Boston? yeah yeah tracy thorne she sung on massive attack uh yes. the song protection um mm. then they sort of went away and came back in 96 with a sort of uh um, that big hit they had, that dance track. Uh, I miss, miss you, you know. 
Yeah. Well, they're more producers of music these days. Yeah. But um, yeah, they they were before their time, definitely. Yeah. Um, as Tech Camera, I played and mm. played, played that love, 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 love. Salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that comes on, I'm on the dance floor. I just <laughs> can't help well, myself. Well, <laughs> there's there's a there is a cheesy ad in Australia where I think they're selling car insurance and they're both in the car uh, singing the song and some mums in the front. I mean, that song's uh, taken on a song. life of its own. And, <laughs> uh, I think Gar- Garbage had a song called Push It where they took a, a sample of that too. So, oh, yeah, okay. good song. Yeah. And then, yeah, going flip again, back to um, Fairground Attraction and um, Perfect. Uh, love. I uh, love singing that. I'm oh, such a girl. That was, a, that was annoying. Oh, no. I know. I know. I, know. I, but I liked <laughs> it. I liked it. Um, especially if you've heard of um, Pop Will Eat Itself and Defcon 1. Yep. You see, I'm so I'm I'm not, I've not really got a genre of music. I'm just all over the place. Yeah. Really, what the populate itself were actually a um, local band, but they were quite successful and were in the, the charts. But yep. I used to sort of hang out a little bit with them as well, mm. as I did back then. Um, and then uh, Nina Cherry and Buffalo Stance. Just, Great pick. Wow. Great film clip too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nah, and we mentioned choice. her when I showed you my 45 that I yeah. found the other week. So that was that. Yeah. And then. Um, All right. We, we can, oh, you. Oh, what one? Fast Cars by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of a yeah. theme today, Cars. Bit of a theme. Bit <laughs> of a theme. Okay. Are you ready for the rubbish crap? Okay. <laughs> All right.
having those conversations with Clemo and picking on Kylie and Jason quite a bit there. But back then, I just could not listen to Kylie. No, she was too much, too much um, mainstream. And I just, just didn't like mainstream music. And it was just really purposely called and crappy. And <laughs> well, yeah. The, 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 all the, of those songs there. Well, you got like Kylie that. there. I should be so lucky. It's uh, it's a little bit uh, it's a real 88, 98 production mm. there. Mm. Now, next one, I've got a bit of a bone to pick you with Tiffany here. Oh, bet. <laughs> I like this song. Oh, you're joking. Yes. Oh, my God. I still like it. Yeah. <laughs> it was right. a cover, though. It was a 60s song, so maybe yeah. that's probably why. But, um, mm. yeah, that was huge around the early 88 period. I, I remember yeah, but how well. old were you? Oh, I, I was commencing my last year at high school and um, oh, I remember yeah. that song in the that early part of the year. So yeah, uh, I bet you had the poster on the wall. I bet. Just as fast you... as we can. No, don't please. <laughs> <laughs> How about brass? Oh, I owe you nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing <laughs> at Ah, oh, what a vomit-inducing song, the Goss Brothers. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, there was a, a couple of brothers at uh, my school and they had the hair and they just looked like them as well and they just, Selena, boys, boys, boys. It was was all that cheesy summer songs that were just like, just why are you in the charts? Good film clip, though. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And then Kylie and Jason. Kylie and Jason. Now, look, for American audiences, they probably know Kylie Minogue. They won't know Jason. Jason was her, her teenage. Uh, soap opera boyfriend and they had this vomit inducing saccharine sugary coated <laughs> love song called especially for you and the film clip was like nauseating you know you don't need uh, um, you know anything to induce you know a vomit inducing exercise other than watching that video it was yeah. horrendous um, and they were getting married weren't they uh, look the lyric especially for you sums it up <laughs> oh well yeah yeah I think um <laughs> I don't know if Kylie plays that one anymore. All right. Well, you're 88 next week. I, I can't wait. That's a really big year for me, 88, mm. and I'm really looking forward to sharing those. But uh, good choices and uh, good bad choices, B. I'm, I'm very impressed today. Well done. And I do have to mention that I wanted to put uh, Need You Tonight on there, but um, I wasn't allowed. No, because this is this not in an excess zone, these bleeds okay. pleasure and pain. So, uh, but yeah. But it would have well, been in there. <laughs> well done today. <laughs> This is Felicia Marie from Carmadale. This is Anne Marie from Ohio, and that's a wrap. All right, well, we're getting to the wrap, B. We've uh, come to episode 23's uh, conclusion. Um, great having Clemo on. Uh, we've got a, a plethora of anecdotes, so if you do hear 
a minute with Clemmer going forward. You will yes. probably hear some great little stories there because uh, man, he has a lot. Meeting Robert Plant, going on tour, hanging out with Michael, selling cars, having your own bloody Christmas party with a band play to you for contra money. You know, like don't worry about the ninety dollar electricity bill. Just play a concert for me. I mean, what a who'd love to be? A, who'd, I want to be. I wish I was Clemo. I could go back in the Marty McFly time machine. Oh, or Clemo's son. <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, fan engagement. Look, we uh, we would love to hear back from you. Just what you thought of you know of, of some of the stories with Clemo and things like that. Um, uh, also, too, what I'd like to put out there is if you could ask the band members, any particular questions that have been sort of, you know, needing, you know, uh, sort of, I guess, answering for you and a little itch scratched or whatever, send them through to us on our, uh, on our platforms, because uh, it is one of our goals over the next sort of month or six weeks to get a band member on this podcast. And we would like to, especially from our patrons or patrons to uh, give them sort of prime access to that and get involved with some of those questions there. So it will be a bit, one of our privileges of being a patron that your questions uh, can hit uh, directly towards the man. Yes. Um, and, you know, we can actually have you verbalise the question and then we can have that sort of shared through the uh, streaming platforms and hit, you know, I guess an, an Andrew or a, a John or whatever they're at the respective time. So if you've got questions and things you want to be involved with, become a patron and we would love to get those out to the band members and things as well. Um, over the next couple of weeks, B, uh, and it could be as early as next week. I'm just still working on our topic. I've got a couple of ideas, but we are fast soon approaching the kick album review. So oh. I know that, uh, listen, like thieves review was a massive, uh, download, uh, response from our listeners. Uh, I think kick no doubt will probably break the bank and have so many people tuning in because, Everybody's got a story about Kick, where they were, yes. how they listened to it for the first time, all those particular things. Uh, I know that album is right in your wheelhouse, B. Yes. I want to talk about something else before we talk about that, though. Okay. Um, the competition. Okay. We're going to be giving away one of the books that Clemo has had um, published. Yeah, what's yeah. the book title again called? Um, it's called Rock Stars and Fast Cars. Yeah. Along for the ride. (laughs) So we've got one of these books to give away. So I don't know what we're going to do. We've got we've got to think about it. What 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 can fans do to get one of these books? Do you think? Okay. Well, how many copies can we give away? I reckon we can give away two. Two. Okay. All right. Okay. The very next person who becomes a patron. (gasps) Okay. And asks a great question Question. for a band member yeah okay we will uh give a copy away uh also too uh we will give a copy away uh Mm -hmm. to one of our existing patrons who comes back with uh two or three great questions towards the band members so so we'll do something for a new patron something for an existing patron okay excellent can't wait to hear these then so we'll give feedback questions for band members that would be great so you know, do you like, you know, sweet and sour chicken or lemon chicken? We don't really want that. You know, like no. you know, we want something a little bit more uh, sort of meaningful and things like that as well. Um, yes. And if you do want to buy a copy of the book, I will have that in the blurb in the um, podcast when I release it. Okay. Yeah. So you can go ahead and buy it yourself. Yeah. And look, anything, you know, for me as a big fan, anything I get my hands on about information, anecdotes, things I don't know about the band, I'm so thirsty to to absorb and understand because mm. 
Um, it helps for the podcast, but also just helps motivate me, you know, to think that they were in there, you know, practicing away and renting warehouse space and doing it overnight. And then, you know, the party that, <laughs> you know, suddenly became 1200 people at a factory in Brookvale. I mean, what a, what a story. I mean, that's, that's just not out there in the NXS community of, no. of information. That's only stuff that comes from being there live and present. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look at me, I'm going to go there now and take some photos. Go yeah. Mr. Howard, who has owned the property for 40 years. So right. I'll get some photos for everybody to have a look at too. Now, just quickly, I know uh, over the last couple of yeah. weeks, we've had a lot of people download the podcast on different platforms. Seems like Spot- yes. Spotify, well, Spotify is becoming very popular. Uh, iTunes, etc. there, you know, through, you know, I know Podbean, we've had some ups tuned and downs. With, uh, pardon? And tuned in. Yeah. Tune, tune in radio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so look, keep, keep, you know, listening, keep sharing, keep, uh, I guess, asking questions and giving us feedback. And, and, you know, if you've got topics and issues and things you'd like to know more about, keep engaging. We love it. We want to, want to hear from you. Yes. Um, homework. I mentioned earlier about Australian bands homework. I, I want to just do a shout out to, uh, to Powderfinger and a, a great Australian band that um, to me are the second greatest band to come out of Australia in the last sort of 30, 30 years. Um, I want to share with you some songs from the other week that I did mention, but a couple others. I want everyone to go away and download My Kind of Scene, My Happiness is the second one, The Day You Come, Bless My Soul, and These Days. So just to say those again, My Kind of Scene, uh, which was in the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, uh, My Happiness, The Day You Come, Bless My Soul, uh, so yeah, the day you come is three, bless my soul is four and these days is five. So if you go away and download those five songs, I guarantee you should like four of them. And if you're a good fan, you'll love five of them, but this is an Aussie band that were inspired, I guess, a lot by in excess of success and, uh, have really written timeless music and, and are fantastic. And they came around about the time that Coldplay came on the scene. And I just wish they rivaled Coldplay internationally, um, because they were just as good, if not better. Often we have a guest B, we do like to go with a little bit of a tribute song. So I, I was in the shower today, okay, and I had a creative light bulb moment, okay? And I thought to myself, what song could we send out to Clemmer? Now, I know Clemmer mentioned he's a big Don't Change fan and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But Fast Cars and Rock Stars and Michael and just the, the uh, turbocharged nature of Clemmo's link to the man, I yes. thought to myself, well, NXS did release a cover song of a very famous song in the 60s that was on the Reckless Kelly soundtrack. Uh, it was a uh, bonus track on the Japan edition of Full Moon Dirty Hearts. And I think it was a B-side maybe on the GIF single, I think, as well. But the song was Born to be Wild. And uh, Michael definitely uh, lived a turbocharged lifestyle. The lyrics of this song do incorporate cars and rock and roll and mayhem. Yep. And yep. I couldn't think of a better song to give tribute Perfect. to Clemo. Yes. So we are going to go out today with In Excess's version of uh, Born to Be Wild uh, for our friend Clemo. Uh, and uh, I thank everybody for tuning in. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.